0: On our play for today, classic Pokemon coming to Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC, maybe on the Switch too. We'll see. What is Elden Ring's recent announced DLC, and what does it mean for Armored Core Six? And the Olympics list of esports games is interesting. All this and more on Season Seven, Episode Nine of Press ExaStar's Gamers Digest. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Bachelor, a.k.a. Wild Thoughts, Wild Hearts. Wow, wow, wow. I am joined by. Hey, everyone. It's me, Avery. Nailed it. Now you know who we are. Press X to Start Digest is a video podcast that condensed the most important gaming news from the past week into an hour long meal just for you. We are live on YouTube right now. Yes, that is every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What up, YouTube? Don't forget, you can support us by liking the video, subscribing to the channel, and hit the notification bell if you are listening. Thanks, listener. We would appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or podcast services you are currently tuned in on. If you want to join our conversations, you can by joining our discourse at pressxnumber 2 startcom slash discord. All right. Now you know who we are, what this is about. Let us get into the gaming news. Every what's uh, number one.
1: Okay, so uh, here's a weird audible because I wasn't thinking straight when I was making the script, but I'm just roll with it. So uh, there was a Pokemon Direct uh, I want to say the week prior to us recording this podcast, and it was a direct, I think on the Pokemon anniversary that was just pretty much a mini update on what the Pokemon company really has for this year. Nothing really of any real consequence. Uh, This is also a weird story. If I didn't watch it, but this is also because I've now gotten to the point in my life, which is sad to say that I just I'm done with Pokemon as a multimedia franchise. So, like, there was literally yeah. nothing they could have done to really get me to be like super psyched for it. That being said, there was one bit of news that was relatively interesting out of that in that
0: they are following up on the Actually, uh, before, before we got into those news. I, I watched a Pokemon Direct, our uh, Pokemon Presents, it was fine. I don't think there was enough news for us to really talk about other than the Pokemon Scarlet DLC that's coming out later this year, but we're going to actually get into that in a weird sort of way with this news, so. Go ahead, Avery. No,
1: go. You jumped over my, what I was about to say and just went to
0: it, so. Oh, you, you, okay. You, 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 uh, so, essentially there has been a list of classic Pokemon. Uh, never li- mind,
1: you didn't read my audible. You didn't read the play. That's my oh, bad. Oh,
0: okay. Okay.
1: No, yeah, because like then. this is dumb, because like Th- this news story it doesn't actually report on what I wanted to actually report. This oh, okay, like okay. the actual thing was I wanted to talk about the two DLCs that were teased and revealed for halfway through the year, and then at the end of the year, which is in line with the cadence they have for the last Pokemon game, mm-hmm. which was Sword and Shield, and that's DLC with the Crown Tundra and the Something Frontier or some, some some bullshit like that. But this one isn't like I said I didn't play and violet so like forgive me if I get shit wrong. this dLC takes place on part of that game called area zero, and yes. then it is two DLCs that are for both games so this even though they seem like one should be for scarlet and one should be for violet, people will be able to play both DLCs
0: uh for both versions
1: yeah, part one is the teal math which is going to be in the I want to say late summer early fall and then the other one is going to be uh, the Indigo Disc, which is going to be end of the year, winter 2023. Uh, if this game was very uh, European Spain inspired, these games are taking shit back to a more Japanese aesthetic, in which uh, both of them have to deal with your characters at school going on field trips to specific parts of this fictional Pokemon world with a very Japanese uh, aesthetic. People are uh, speculating that they're going back to Kanto, especially with the idea that the Indigo Disc, one of the new Paradox Pokemon that's the mascot for this uh, thing, looks like it's covered with the Indigo League gym badges.
0: Yeah, which looks uh, really interesting as a design.
1: Yeah, uh, and then the actual part of what the story, well, the original story was going to be talking about was the idea that, oh, uh, they're putting old Pokemon back in the game, which is... I don't think much of a story because we've already gone through this with the last Pokemon game. The more and more they add more Pokemon to the franchise, the more and more they kind of have to take out. Especially, yeah. with the, especially with the way they make games and the resources that they're willing to put into games. And even if they wanted to put more resources into the game, I think we're at a thousand Pokemon right now. So like that's yeah. a bit too much. So you're giving a bunch
0: of classic Pokemon. I, I think the, the thing that worries me as a person who played Pokemon Violet specifically beat the game it was doing as best as it could to handle that so for them to be like hey we're going to add more Pokemon I'm just like I don't think that's a good idea for um, the version of Pokemon you guys have right now that might not go too well for you guys but um, you know there is the part two to this story which if it is true could you know lead into okay I see what you guys are doing so you want to take that away or you take it away
1: I mean you're you're the one who has the line of thought because my thing is a new Nintendo Switch isn't going to help this Pokemon game. And I don't want, okay. to, and I don't want to belabor our old uh, conversation about whether they were going to quote-unquote fix this game before the end of the year. And I'm still of the mindset that there are going to be minor optimization things, but there's not going to be a Cyberpunk-level fix for this Pokemon game by the end of its lifespan.
0: Yeah. So, a couple things. I think with them setting the release date for this next batch of DLC for... Uh, Mid year to whatever late, late fall, I think that gives them time to continue working on this game. I mean, it's very possible that they're just working on a DLC. So they're most likely they're going to have to split their team to cover both ends because you don't think. so. I mean,
1: well, here, here's the thing. Like, well, let, let's talk about this. Mm. The Pokemon team has proven on a regular basis that they're beholden to their show. Their the Pokemon Company, uh, uh, Nintendo, and then Game Freak. They're all beholden to this release schedule of Pokemon game, which uh, leaves me to believe that around next year, by the end, at the end of this year, when we get to the next Pokemon uh, event, they're gonna be like, okay guys, here's the next generation of Pokemon. Either that, or we're going to get, here's the next generation of remakes, so they can uh, push that a year. That being said, unless I'm trolling with how big I think their team is based on how things are going, the current team is either working on the next generation or the next generation remakes. That's why I'm in the mindset that it's not going to need a big cyberpunk-like reset to the franchise as they move forward.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're going to do like a big cyberpunk reset. I don't even think the game needs that in order for it to run decently. I mean, I think a lot of the bugs and stuff that people are experiencing, me personally, I didn't really experience a lot of them. I think the game doesn't look that great, but I don't think that's what in my mind, what they would be fixing. I, I think they'd be fixing the weird, like, stuttering with the some of the areas, the weird pop-in that you might have. And at first, I was very much like, okay, they're going to patch the crap out of this game as much as they can while working on the DLC until they release the DLC, and it's like, hey, look, we're all done. But with the rumors of the Switch 2 being used as sort of a new foundation for... Uh, graphics enhancements that could go into that version of Pokemon I think that makes sense in terms of hey this is a way of us giving you a better version of Pokemon but us not necessarily having to do a lot of the optimizations that would go into making Pokemon Scarlet and Violet work on current Switch so I think with the rumors of the Switch 2 that whole process to me makes more sense
1: before we move on, since you brought it up, the Switch 2 is a rumor uh, that is being passed around. Certain people have talked about it in other ways. I'm of the mindset that, based on Nintendo's own verbiage, and this could be me just believing the PR speak, they have no real plan for a Switch 2 this year. I think if there's a Switch 2, it is next year. I think if they're doing a Switch 2, they should have paired that shit with the next Breath of the while to get it to sell. Uh, and then you get to the other problem of what the Switch 2 is and what Nintendo wants it to be. The strength of the Switch is its price and affordability in its power range. The Switch is running on pretty much slightly better Wii U hardware. When people say Switch 2, I'm of the mindset that it's just going to be a new model of Switch, like how the 3DS had the various generations of the 3DS Instead of, oh, this is a Switch 2 and we're pushing our hardware forward, if that makes sense. Because I think Nintendo wants to, A, keep the staying power of the Switch, B, doesn't want to deal with the generation refresh, especially when they're already behind, and uh, C, I don't think has the willpower to pull the trigger and put out a $500 handheld.
0: Well, that's the thing. I don't even think that, Switch Two is going to be anywhere near like as powerful as the Steam no. Deck or anything like no. that. I, like, think, I, I think like they're they're going for next gen, but like very much so bottom of the barrel next gen. So it being five hundred dollars, I don't even think it'll be that expensive. Like I think it might top out at like four.
1: Okay, this is my thing with the what my understanding of what Nintendo is. I also don't think they're going to make a competitor to the Steam Deck. I yeah, think they're right, happy right. with being at the bottom but I'm saying that they're currently more than generation behind in terms of hardware architecture with the mm-hmm. Switch, and that's been just fine. But if we get the Switch 2, and then the current generation eclipse of it, we're going to get the same problems that they had with the Switch, but I think that's not what their general issue is. And that's why I'm of the mindset that the Switch 2 is just going to be a better version of the current Switch with yes. better quality of life features and minor boosts. But like the idea of calling it two is just like, we don't know what to call what their next switch is going to be.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it could it very much be like a, a actual switch pro kind of thing that they were supposed to do. But that was then up being like the OLED, yeah. so on and so forth. Like I, even that, like I would consider that a upgrade if they do like, OK, well, this OLED bottle has a bit more power. So like Pokemon actually runs at 30 and it's fine or like, uh Tears of the Kingdom will actually run well on this thing. Like that that in my mind, I would consider that okay, that's an upgrade.
1: Well when, yeah, no, you're good. Uh, uh I, yeah, I'm not gonna believe it. I've bowed out of Nintendo at uh, this yeah, generation yeah. because I generally hate handheld gaming and the Switch is such an underpowered piece of shit that like <laughs> I don't like playing games on it and I'm like why like Yeah yeah why couldn't I just play this game on a console that A will play it better and not make it look like shit. But yeah, that's my weird Nintendo rant tangent thing about the switch but yeah we'll see if the evidence bears out i will more believe in this but i'm more of the mindset that like if i'm nintendo corporate nintendo when we have a year full of games and we have tears of the kingdom and we didn't talk about a new generation of switch then we're hardcore trolling we're waiting for more guns
0: i'll say one last thing before we jump i think it's very possible that zelda could be another cross generation game where it releases well, for the Switch does well. When well.
1: you mentioned Generation, then that it gets to the problem with well, the Switch 2. Generation,
0: gen- generation yeah, Generation for Nintendo in terms of cross consoles, like current I, Switch I, I and then whatever, Switch Pro, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah well, yeah. We're, we're just getting to the nomenclature of generation and console thing because I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the mindset that like, Nintendo's not going to abandon their current Switch hardware ecosystem, and that's why yeah. I'm not in the believing of this is a Switch 2 and it's going to be a minor upgrade at best. But yeah, uh, moving on to our next story. This is from iGen. This is from Robert Anderson. Elder Ring Shadow of the Earth Tree expansion is officially in development. Uh, so from software on a random Tuesday, like the day after Elder Ring's like one year anniversary, they put out a blog post and say, hey, yeah, we're working on a um, new Elder Ring DLC. And they showed off a nice little uh, uh, key art of what appears to be a evil looking Earth Tree being watched over by various spiritual entities and a I'm going to say it, young boy on the main horse, Torrent, uh, looking in the distance. There's uh, not much to say about this as the only person on this podcast who loves Elden Ring I like (laughs) there's no value in me going through what I think this is.
0: No, no, no I I want you to tell me what you think this is because you have that source of knowledge where I look at this and I see it for face value. So what, what do you think this can be?
1: Uh, you put me in a weird spot because I wasn't planning on talking about this and now I had to figure oh. out my, my thoughts
0: <laughs> you can make it short, it's fine
1: you know, like, it, like, here's the thing, here's why I don't want to talk about this I'm the only one who cares about this game I'm also the only one who paid attention to its lore and so it's not just me sitting here saying this is what I think it is, this is me like I, there's 15 different lore things I have to go on to, to make everything I'm about to say make sense because I'm going to use all okay. the proper nouns and if you don't know Elder Ring in any real detail, it's going to be useless <laughs>
0: Oh, that's true. No, you're you're not wrong about that. Uh, okay. Well, you you're definitely gonna play this, right?
1: Oh well, well, it depends. If this releases in a, I am not someone who regularly plays the From Software DLCs because the issue is they release in a time where I just don't have like as much as I love the From Software games. They require to be in a certain uh, mindset and state of mind to get through, uh, and. More often than not, they come out in a period of time where I just moved on completely. And so the muscle memory of jumping back into was probably going to be my, my like max level save in dealing with this shit. Like, I I just don't have this. So, like, what's going to determine if I buy and play this DLC is whether there are any other big games around it. If there are, I'm just going to have to bow out and I'll just have to pay attention to Fanti video and everyone else to figure out what I missed. Because, like, I, yeah, I put 180, yeah, I think so, 180 hours into fucking uh, Elden Ring and, like, uh, I'm not doing that shit again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially if we run into the Bloodborne issue I had, where like they released the DLC, and then you jump into it in your new game plus, so the DLC is actually harder than it was if you had just gone through it normally when you first
0: playthrough. Gotcha. All right, well, what I found interesting about this, uh, yeah, as, as Avery said, when they announced the fact that they're going to be working on DLC, it was very much so, yeah, guys, we're going to be working on this. Stay tuned. There was no release date, no kind of release window, and in my mind, I immediately thought, okay, well, where does this put Armor Core 6? Because that was the last thing you guys said, and that was for 2000, oh Jesus, 2023. I, I don't know why I jumped to 2000. Um, so I was very much so like, alright, that's interesting. And then we have some more rumors about Armor Core 6 in relations to this Elden Ring DLC. So, uh, this comes from Xputer. The headline reads, Armored Core 6 has a September to October release window. So with us not knowing exactly when the Elden Ring DLC and then having this to be anywhere from September to October, it's very possible that we will get the Elden Ring DLC probably late fall, November, December, maybe. When do- Elden Ring released in February, right? So I guess next February would make it two years. I guess it depends on how big the actual DLC is going to be. Cuz the other Dark Souls are I guess From Software DLC, they're pretty like substantial, right? So it's possible that this could cuz I would imagine if this rumor is true, we have Armored Core 6 release in September October, probably give or take a month or two for any kind of bug fixing they have or like support essentially and then they could probably go further full steam ahead with the DLC. So we might get it late fall, might get it early 2024. Um, there's always a possibility that this rumor is not accurate, and we get the Eldering DLC before, oh, so everybody doesn't believe this rumor is accurate. <laughs> so I
1: didn't want you to cite the source when you were this, because like, now you've made it be like, oh, this is an actual thing we should talk about, where I removed this from the list because a, they, they don't have any sources. They're just like, our source is us. Trust us. I don't know who you are, computer. Like, D didn't even point out an author because there is no author. There's no journalist to put this in to do the research. So I'm like, hey, you're well, bring actually,
0: this up. actually, it's by EXTAS1S. So whatever that is. Okay. Yeah. This is just a thing that a lot of people have been talking about. And it's Armor Core 6. So of course, I want to talk about this too. Because my question was always when is. Armor Core 6 going to drop because they, they didn't put an actual like release window or anything. They just said 2023. And that's usually a kind of placeholder for when they get further along more details. They did have an event early February, I believe, or late January, where they were just kind of talking. But even that didn't really feel like they were in a solid place. They were just kind of answering questions about the game. So it is very possible that we might not get this. We might get this in 2024. And then the, the actual Ring DLC drops fall of this year kind of thing. Or we can be in a situation where we get the Ring DLC in 2024, 2025. We don't know. We'll see. Anyways, I think this is interesting. I hope that this rumor for the September slash October release window is accurate for Armor Core 6 because I am waiting. All right, what's next?
1: Okay, so this is our next story. With an actual source, and I'm joking. That was just me <laughs> trolling or trolling. I I apologize. Uh this is from Isaiah Colbert, this is from Kotaku.com for Spoken Studio being absorbed back into Square Enix. Uh so this is essentially off the back of for spoken's poor reception. We're not sure if it's actually poor uh uh poor sales, I'm assuming so. It looks like Luminous uh, Productions, which was a internal Square team that was built from off the backs of the Final Fantasy 15 team is going to just be reabsorbed into Square Enix proper and probably joining one of its various business units. Uh, yeah. uh, so this is the end of that studio. This is the end of that logo. Uh, this is probably and definitely the end of Forspoken. I would think so. Which I'm not going to say it sucks because I, as I played that game and I'm like, yeah, this is well worth it. But it does suck for the optics of that game and that franchise. But yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah because I mean, there was there was a pretty substantial amount of like interest going into that game, and then I think the marketing cycle just didn't do well. and there's always there's always a looming thing of like, ah, oh, well, you know, that's a black lady, and she has angry issues. and like there's there's that whole stuff around that. And it just it, it really does suck to see like, oh, this could have been like like so good. and then, to top this, we, we actually didn't put it on here, but to top this with getting the previews of Final Fantasy Sixteen and that being generally positive, and it's like, well, okay, obviously, what I had feared was that the resources was going into Final Fantasy Sixteen and not necessarily being distributed into Forspoken as well. So.
1: I don't necessarily believe that narrative, uh, especially mm-hmm. with what the Final Fantasy sixteen team is, being part of mostly of the creative team of the Final Fantasy 14 team mm-hmm. and it being a mainline Final Fantasy so like I, any resource thing going through there. I ultimately think that at certain points, the hands on Forspoken changed multiple times and what that game was wanted to be and what that game was trying to be changed and shifted. What killed this game isn't the uh, cultural perceptions of it, nor do I think is the gameplay perceptions of it. It is the narrative that was built around it that this game's dialogue and world seemed dumb. Oh, this main character and all these characters talking, and that just became the meme. Because anytime someone just saw gameplay, like, oh man, this looks yeah. really cool. Look at the effects, look at all of that. But the minute you showed a clip of the main character, Faye, talking and having a conversation, everyone was like, oh, this is like a Marvel movie. This is garbage. It's the worst kind yeah. of thing. And that became the thing where people were just posting clips out of that. And that created a bad taste in the early public's mouth that coupled with what I think is. We're oversharing the game and not having good context. Well, I think it's an incredibly bad demo. And
0: uh, I mean that—that's where I get into in terms of it being like it was just marketed bad. Like I'm pretty sure there was good bits to the game. There was probably good story beats to the game. It was just the I, stuff that we got just. Didn't really I think the marketing tone. Stuff.
1: I think the marketing tone of all the character tidbits is the tone of the game. Like that would oh. it'd be a mass rip of the misinterpretation of the game if you took all the quote unquote serious bits of dialogue in that game and just put that in there, and then someone played it and it's Faye having Iron Man talking the roadie conversation with the cuff on her arm. I think that's a okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I could be wrong, and it could. I. I. It could be all just like a. They didn't show the best bits, but I think they showed the best bits
0: of the game. Oh, okay. Well, again, I didn't play it, so I don't know exactly what they showed versus what were considered best bits. But yeah, that's unfortunate. What's not unfortunate is you, listener and viewer, do us a solid. Hit that like button if you're watching the video. Subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell. Do those three things, please, and thank you. If you are listening, Leave us a review. We greatly appreciate it, as always. And then go back to listening to the podcast because it's cool and we're cool and you're cool for doing that. So continue to be cool. With that being said, all right, let's jump back into the news.
1: Our next piece of news is from Ethan Gotch at kataka.com. EA lays off 200 Apex Legends testers over Zoom call. It's essentially that uh, there's an EA office in Baton Rouge and... Uh, uh, based on the narrative that we've been seeing with a lot of the layoffs in the tech sector, that in an effort to maximize profits and please shareholders, EA principally fired the uh, what on paper sounds like the entire QA force for this game. But what I'm guessing is more like they canceled the contracts in which these QA testers were working with them, and that removed 200 Apex Legends testers. Uh, they right, did it over right. a Zoom call. There's a lot been a lot of conversation about whether doing the layoffs over a Zoom call was in good taste, but there's also my mindset of firing anyone over corporate financial hierarchy is never in good taste. So there's no good way to do any of this.
0: Yeah, this, this it's just, it's terrible for the testers who were just blindsided by this. And like, you know, it, it always sucks. But yeah, I believe you are right. The contracting agency is called Magnet Global. So it's very possible they are working out a new deal with EA and They gave numbers that EA didn't want or didn't like and EA was like, okay, we'll just find other testers. I think the thing that really sucks about this is the fact of how we're educated on how Apex Legends, like their iteration and development cycle works, where like they iterate for a very long time on an idea. And after that, after that idea is good, and then they start the production phase. That iteration cycle is so integral to having good QA testers. And like a good QA tester has a lot of experience doing QA testing. I've done QA testing before in my past, and it's not necessarily an easy thing. If you get like just new QA testers on a game, it could work out for you in terms of them finding out, you know, different issues and so on and so forth. But you still need the veterans to still guide the game and like work with the devs and like have that communication and stuff. So it really sucks that they are letting go 200 QA testers that was very much so working on Apex Legends and I I I think in the worst case you can look at this is like oh this might hurt the the next season in terms of its quality and so on and so forth. I'm pretty sure EA will make sure that that season releases in the best possible way especially seeing how apex is essentially a cash cow for ea but it does just suck in every shape and form that these people have been let go and now they have to figure out what to do i mean it's very possible that these people can get rehired under a new agency to continue working for apex legends but we don't know we just know that they just got laid off
1: yeah it's a uh, part of the course for all the corporate layoffs. This is based entirely on ma- maintaining profits during a recession with shareholders who desire only growth and see any, I guess, just being competent at your jobs and making continued amounts of money as yeah. not the right move. So yeah, heart goes out to that team and I hope they find new work in the QA sector, which is becoming an increasingly bigger minefield in the gaming uh, sphere. So our next story, this is from vice.com. This is from Renata price. Uh, this from Waypoint from Vice.com. Is the list of official Olympic esports is extremely weird. So, hey, I'm a big fan of the Olympics. I watch it every four years. It's a oh, really? major part of Yeah. Uh, oh. I, have a, I have a family that,
0: how do I say this? Like the Olympics?
1: Yes. So, I've grown up watching the Olympics. Uh gotcha. There was a chance I could have went to the Atlanta Olympics when I was a kid, but I didn't pan out. It's a whole thing. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I also am fully aware of all the problematic aspects of the Olympic and the IOC and their ability to disrupt and destroy ecosystems in their effort to put on a show. But I, I very much am the hopeless optimist in that, in which every four years, we just come together and compete. And pretty much every, sort of like the World Cup, every cultural moray melts away and everyone's just focusing on this one thing as a whole world. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I also yeah. think the Olympics are the coolest bits of uh, competition you're going to get because it's an, also a melting pot of every, uh, every nation's best players, which is always cool to see. Um, I'm also a hardcore patriot and I 100% love watching America just rack up medals as we send <laughs> 10 times the national uh, population of other smaller countries to the Olympic Games. It's always a fun <laughs> thing to watch. Always a fun thing to watch. Nothing makes me happier than the Dream Team, Michael Jordan, and us just sending NBA athletes to Smurf on other players across the world to the point where now foreign countries look for the most minor genetic connection to get a NBA star to come play for their country instead of playing on the NBA team. But yeah, something that's been talked about for the last couple of years is esports in regards to the Olympics and what that would uh, present itself. What games are we talking about? Uh, Based on everything I know about the Olympics, 99% 99% of competitive esports are not going to get touched with a 10-foot pole. They're not going to allow any overly violent activities at the Olympics. Now, you, you're you going to say, oh, but they show wrestling and do all those other combat sports. MMA has been popular for the last 15 years, and there's never been a single MMA uh, exhibition yeah. at the Olympics, which tells me that when they're doing contact violent sports, there is a focus on the uh, cultural tradition of that sport. So, like... You can cut out 90% of the games out there that are popular. So when we get to this list of 10 games, I, like many people, was incredibly perplexed about their choices. And I think my choice quote was, this is the most offensive thing the Olympics have done and they used to be racist. (laughs) And this is generally how I feel. So the number one thing with a bullet, which I think is the coolest thing about this, and Shabbi should have been there for a long time ago, is chess. First and foremost, they don't know what an esport is. And we'll oh, yeah, get to that.
0: Absolutely
1: no. We'll get to that. Yeah. But one of the games they're uh, doing is chess. Okay, cool. Chess is something that's been super big for uh, millennia. <laughs> like- <laughs> for millennia. And like the fact that it's not been an Olympic activity is something that is cool and it remedies. So I'll actually go through the list of how they presented it. And then I'll tell you what the actual games are. So they've got archery, baseball, chess, Cycling, dance, motorsport, sailing, tennis, and taekwondo. Okay, on the paper, first thing, I'm like, aren't these already Olympic sports? And I'm like, yeah, that's super weird. But these are already Olympic sports. And then if you check out the Vice article, they go down and give you a rundown of what games that they actually want this to be based off of. For chess, they're using chess.com, which is an incredibly popular chess website. I think it's the most popular chess website. And that's actually Mm -hmm. a really cool thing. For racing, Shout out to Sony, for I don't know how much money they yes. paid for this, but Sony. they got Gran Turismo, the most recent Gran Turismo, to be the racing game for this. So like, You know what
0: I think, though? I think if Forza Motorsport came out already, that would probably be the game over Gran Turismo.
1: Uh, here's my thought, because I, I made a joke about Sony paying money, and that's a possibility, and I'm going to get to that. But I also think this is more or less that the PlayStation is a bigger console across the entire world. And that like,
0: yeah, I didn't think about that.
1: This is one of those things where this has been a great opportunity for Jordan to put his two cents in about racing games, Mm -hmm. even though I don't think he played Gran Turismo. So like, there is a little bit of weird bias there.
0: I I think he might have. I'm not sure on that.
1: Yeah. I think it's actually pretty cool. Like in terms of games using a sport and like a game that Sony is always going to put out. Cool. But like My issue with Olympic sports and why it probably won't work, because they're never going to pick a single game. Mm-hmm. No single game is going to live forever enough to be an Olympic sport and to be supported going forward. That doesn't exist. There's always going to be right. iterations for most things. There are games that are platforms, but they chose none of them. But yeah, and then for dance, it's Just Dance, which I think is fucking hilarious. And I cannot Yo, wait to see it.
0: That is bonkers to me. Like, Just Dance is... I can't wait to see that in practice. I cannot wait to see how they present that and how they grade that. Because I don't even, I just can't wait to see. Because I play Just Dance with my niece and my wife. And it's just like, all right, all you got to do is just move the remote in a certain way. And it will, you did a dance move. And it's just like, all right, man, you're not even doing anything. Like, come on now. So we'll see. We'll see, see how
1: that goes. There is an ecosystem of Just Dance people. so There is. There, there is. is. Uh, but yeah, so this is where we get to my issue with them calling it esports and how they don't understand what esports is. Because yeah. none of these games are esports, per se. There's no chess esport. There's just professional chess. Uh, there's no Just Dance esports. There is people doing Just Dance competitions, because those are fun to do. And, and certain people on Twitch like to exploit the, the dress codes with Just Dance. And then there's uh, Gran Turismo, which... I don't believe there There's is no a e-sport bustling around esport around Gran yeah. Turismo. I know Sony themselves do Gran Turismo competitions, but TSM and uh, Optic and uh, 100 Thieves aren't hiring people to play in these leagues because uh, yeah. they don't exist.
0: They do have that movie though, so. which is going to be cool.
1: I am still yeah. excited for that. Uh, that this is where we get to the other game that they release, which are all mobile games. Most of them are also pay-to-win mobile games. So this is where I got offended, where I'm like, oh, this is bullshit. This is the IOC. I'm being generous, not understanding what they're doing and just picking, I'm going to say bad games. Or more realistically, this is mobile game companies coming to them being like, let's put our games in here and we'll pay you to do it. We'll just get money off the back end. Which I'm like, oh, that's not good.
0: Yeah, Olympics is going to make the Olympic Corporation or whatever you want to call it. It's going to make a whole ton of money off of this Olympics having
1: they're gonna make a whole lot of money off the olympics in general because of the olympics and
0: but but they're gonna make even more with the whole mobile game incorporation so yeah
1: i think this is incredibly disappointing i think there are a lot of great games out there that have longevity uh let me check uh the twitter of a popular esports caster who had a good take on this it it wasn't it wasn't actually an esports journalist it was a esport organization Shout out to Cloud Nine for this. They said this should be the eSports game lineup. It should be CSGO, Halo, Hearthstone, League of Legends, Overwatch, Super Smash Brothers, Teamfight Tactics, and Valorant. Now, the big problem, and I agree, this is a fantastic list that is the most, for the most part, a wide variety of games with, to a certain extent, thriving uh, community that you can build this section off of. That being said... Hearthstone is the only one that doesn't fit the violence problem that the other ones of these go. Mm -hmm. I would also get rid of both Halo and Super Smash Brothers on the virtue of, let's let's be clear, (laughs) Halo eSports is, I don't think, viable enough to be a sustainable thing, and Super Smash Brothers, they're never going to agree on which Super Smash Brothers they want to compete in.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But other than that, yeah, that's my uh, Olympic rant. I'm very disappointed in this uh, choice of games. So, what could have been a really cool thing about me showing video games to my family on a grand scale is just going to be a me thing. Let's just ignore this all altogether and just watch the big three of uh, the Olympics again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I usually watch like the Olympic highlights. Like my parents watch the Olympics, and if I'm over there during that time frame, I you know I just check in and watch too. But like it, it's not really a thing that I do like like appointment watching for. So this sucks though. This sucks. Especially when this is the opportunity to get gaming out to an even wider audience and they pull this BS and it's just like, oh, ah, yeah, it's guys. not,
1: it's not, it's not a great listen, It's incredibly disappointing. Okay, so our, our last story is once again, us jumping into the uh, clusterfuck that is the Microsoft buying uh, Activision Blizzard and what that means for the gaming audience in uh, the whole. So uh, the main story is going to be from uh, VGC, this is from Tom Ivan, EU reportedly unlikely to demand asset sales in Microsoft Activision merger. This article is pretty much telling you, uh, for the most part, that there are three big things stopping this merger from happening. There's Microsoft dealing with the FTC, Microsoft dealing with the CMA, and then also (laughs) the uh, regulators in the EU. This article is about the regulators in the EU in particular being like, you know what? Microsoft's last two uh, olive branches, which were like 10-year deals with both Steam, NVIDIA, and Nintendo, Nintendo about putting Call of Duty on their console, that's good enough for us. And so, all things look like it's going to pass through those halls. That mm-hmm. being said, the CMA is still a thorn in the side of Microsoft. So much so, that this is a super weird article, but it's from Kotaku.com, this is from Zach Spieson. Xbox Boss Now Downplaying Importance of Controversial Activism Merger. As Phil tries to lead the charge in this fight to get Activision Blizzard under the Microsoft banner, uh, and as things have been on the seesaw flipping up and down, his latest talking point about this is, don't worry about this, guys. If this doesn't go through, Microsoft will be fine and we'll be able to go forward. Which is, I guess, translating marketing to being like, I guess people were assuming that if they spent $69 billion on this thing and it didn't go through, the higher-ups at Microsoft would look at this and be like, what the fuck were we just doing for the last two years? And if it's just still doing the damage control and being like, we're going to be fine without this. We don't actually need it,
0: Cap. Yeah, because didn't we do, I don't know, one or five stories about how they actually need Blizzard to compete or ABK to compete?
1: Yeah, Microsoft has had two uh, tactics in this fight. There is the, we are so bad, please help us. And there's the, why aren't you helping us other publishers in our fight for this? Mm-hmm. And this is, I guess, in a little of column A and column B. It's this is like a whatever piece of the story, but it's an interesting thing in which all signs point that this is going to go through. But yeah. Phil is in the current state of damage control to control the message if it doesn't go through. Our next bit of story is a minor story. There's not really much of a story. I'm just going to bring it up as a talking point. Also from Tom Ivan. I says it's not interested in playing the exclusivity game with Call of Duty, which is just reaffirming that, hey, everything that we have said over the last two years about how we feel about Call of Duty and how we feel about Activision Blizzard games remain true.
0: There's not much
1: of a talking point there. Uh, But this is the most interesting thing. What I kind of wanted to build this entire story around Sony ordered to reveal third-party exclusivity deals as part of FTC's activism Blizzard buyout lawsuit. This is from Cameron Kosh It's from GameSpot.com. Essentially, one of the things that we're talking about the last couple of weeks was that Microsoft was uh, sending subpoenas to Sony to reveal confidential information about Sony, and Sony has been able to defer most of that stuff up until now, where at least the courts and the FTC have been like, no, we kind of want to see what this is, which is yeah. going to finally put through bed Certain talking points uh, that Microsoft has talked about that Sony is paying to block games from Game Pass, but also is going to clarify for everyone else what these Sony deals are with certain games, like what's going on with Final Fantasy uh, VII Seven Seven remake, remake. And why, yeah. why it's been over two years now that game not on Xbox. Uh, I,
0: I feel like this would be the point where Sony, like, you know what, we're fine, we're fine. You do that because this is this is not something that they want out and. It's almost 100% guaranteed that whatever classification they try to put on this is going to get leaked out. And I don't think that... I, there's, there's only bad news that can come from this for Sony. Like,
1: I mean, this entire Activision Blizzard thing has been bad news for everyone and it hasn't really affected much.
0: What, what I mean is, I think... Say the stuff gets put out, right? And then we find out that Sony paid... Square Enix, uh, I don't know, uh, fifty thousand for exclusivity on. There's no way
1: it was fifty thousand. Let's like, put it in the
0: millions. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just giving a number. But like, what I'm saying is that those deals made with the publishers are often there's no like cross communication with the publishers in terms of like how much they're getting paid. So if this information is out there, Ubisoft could be like, oh, so you paid Square x number of dollars. We would like something like that very similar, too. And, like, that's just bad news. Like, Sony doesn't want that kind of conversation.
1: That is true. That being said, one of the things this does, Xbox wanted all their deals from 2012. The court said, now, 2019 is where you're going to start getting this information. So Oh, okay. So it's not the entire breadth of this. And it's also, if you look at the publishers that Sony is building exclusivity deals with, it's pretty much just Square, and it was Bethesda.
0: Yeah, There's oh, not Bethesda, real anywhere
1: yeah. else, so it's like, this could be a problem going further if Sony wants to maintain those business deals because people are going to see this information, but ultimately, all it's going to do is put more pressure on their relationship with Square. Uh, yeah. As I see it, and I'm also of the mindset that in the next year and a half, when all of this is settled, that Sony is going to buy Square, so like, I mm. don't think there's going to be much that this information is going to elucidate in the greater thing. The only thing that I think is damaging from this is if Xbox can prove without a shadow of a doubt that Sony is actively paying other publishers to keep their games off Game Pass, which I've been of the mindset that, yes, they are, but Microsoft is couching it in that this is a nefarious thing that Sony wants to do to keep you off our platform and more or less the issue of a microsoft has to pay everybody on game pass for game pass this is just like you go to microsoft and say i want to put my game on game pass and they are like i we don't want to pay you so we do not, not going up be on game pass that's i guess the ten of relationship so they're putting in a bigger thing also there's my thing about game pass and the level of games that are on game pass that sony isn't paying activision to keep their games off game pass activision is like it's not worth us to have the financial states all of this and then right. there is the actual realization which everything else is counter war bullshit that's a like real world capitalism marketing thing of then hey we are paying x game studio for a marketing deal here to be on our platform to sell games don't put your game on Game Pass because they're going to advertise your game as a Game Pass game. And suddenly exactly. all the marketing dollars we're putting into you to get people to buy it on our console is not going to happen because they're going to just yeah. go to the free console. If that makes yeah. sense.
0: You, you can't get this money from two sources. Like it, it's it's yeah. us or yeah. or Microsoft. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, So that's what I'm interested in is to what extent this is because it could go in the favor of, oh, Sony's putting a lot of money to get big third-party games to not go to Game Pass when in reality, I'm of the mindset that it is just like, this is just video game capitalism. Microsoft does the exact fucking same thing with Game Pass games. You know how many games yep. come out day one on Game Pass that just aren't on PlayStation? Yep. Like, why is it Immortality on PlayStation? Why did I have to play that on my PC?
0: Yeah. With- why Instead is it on of, Netflix gaming before yeah, it's on like, PlayStation?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Oh my uh, and they, I'm also not worried about this because we also learned that Persona wasn't on Xbox, not because PlayStation played them, but just the Persona team in Sega just didn't believe in the Xbox. Fulfilling so them had to go over there and say, we want you to put our games on it." Like, okay, cool, sure. sure. And yeah. you're going to pay us to put our old games there? All right, cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. This is the bombshell that could drop it could go either way, and then another bit of news. This is from Game Ranks. This is from Dennis Patrick. Sony's first party exclusives apparently can't turn a profit. Now, this title would lead you to be like, "Oh, they're losing money on all these games," which I would say they're stretching the truth a bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm gonna read a, an excerpt of this. In CMA Phase 1 responses, Sony makes an interesting claim that third-party franchises that Call of Duty inadvertently helped fund first-party game development, and playing that without this, Sony may not be able to serve its high-profile first-party games. This is what I'm saying they're stretching the truth, in that this is how video games work. You yeah. put out first-party games to sell your console, and then you make all your money on third-party games to enrich your ecosystem. Uh, like right. I said, are stretching the truth.
0: Right, right, right.
1: So this is the Microsoft authentic, because they're not the market leader, and they're quote-unquote doing worse. They're still funding first party games with Jamon's a weaker market share than Sony. So, it's like, this is just, I think, a stretching of the truth for a headline. But I think it's an interesting tidbit of just coming out and saying, hey, man, Sony's strengthening of the we need Call of Duty on our ecosystem. Which, uh, fun fact, I didn't put this news in there because I couldn't find enough good sources, but this is the thing that came out of this. Sony makes up 13% of the of revenue that Activision Blizzard makes. Microsoft brings in sub not point some percent that's not even eligible on their bank sheets. Oof,
0: Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just, just to go back to this, it's like, yeah, like God of War, that game specifically is just it takes a lot of money to develop that. Like, There's a lot of moving pieces and moving parts that goes into that. There's a lot of motion capture that goes into that and that money has to come from somewhere like PlayStation, Nintendo, Microsoft. They get the money by the games they have on their consoles. Like that's that's how the money moves in that industry Yeah, so, without
1: seeing the marketing pie chart about how much first party games bring in versus everything else around it, which even that doesn't make any sense because like Sony puts out five first party games, maybe a year versus yeah. the 500,000 that release on a year. Of course, the math and pie chart of this is going to be skewed in one
0: direction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting statement.
1: Yeah, uh, this is once again the roundup of all the bullshit in this uh, fucking trial whatever controversy about activists. Microsoft putting a bunch of money on the video game industry in order to strengthen their own mistakes. I'm going to keep saying it this way because this is how I feel about this. It's, it looks like it's going to go through. It's just going to yeah, probably take yeah, to the end of spring for everything to finalize. And then we'll see how everything shakes out. I listened to Jeff Grubb and he pointed out that I'll bring this up. Jordan has said that yeah. Sony's poking the bear and I don't know why they're doing this. And then I listened to Jeff Grubb. Microsoft and Activision really don't have any power in this argument, per se. Hence why Sony isn't helping them in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I just brought up the Activision Blizzard numbers. If Microsoft decides to be petty and take away all those games, suddenly a 13% of the market share for the company they just bought is just gone. gone. Yeah. And then... Couple that with the fact that if they were to do that, the, uh, Jeff Grubb pointed this out to me that regulatory bodies don't just approve deals and just take hands off. They approve exactly. deals and then they watch you. And if Microsoft yeah. makes a move like that to be petty, then regulatory bodies are going to jump back and say, "Oh, so Sony was right about all of you the entire time."
0: Right. <laughs> and then, like. For Sony side of it, like they can do this. They could be an obstacle as long as they want, as long as they need to be up until this goes through. And then that 10 year deal is still on the table for them. Like they still have the power to accept that same kind of deal that Microsoft gave Nintendo and um, Steam Deck or Steam, right? Steam, uh, Steam, Uh, Microsoft, Steam, and NVIDIA. There you go. NVIDIA. That's one I forgot. Yeah. So Sony, They're just sitting there chilling with their iced tea. Just like, yeah, we're going to keep doing this. And if it goes through, it goes through. But we did all that we can. So no one can say that we sat back and let this all happen. But at the end of the day, yeah, we'll just take that 10-year deal too. And then during the 10 years, we'll work on whatever first-person shooter game we can to, like, try and compete with, with Call of Duty.
1: Also, there is a thing that all the stink they made about this buyout and this merger and all of this is going to physically make it nearly impossible for Microsoft to do anything like this ever again. Like their big thing about buying other uh, publishers and things like that—it's probably not going to happen because no regulatory body is going to look at what they just did here and then be like, (laughs) "This isn't going to
0: work." Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, we allowed the Activision, but no, no, no more, no more. You're done. You're done. Yeah, like work on your own studios, guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Ah, yeah. Yeah. I have one question before we wrap this episode up. Sure. Yeah. As the Call of Duty guy here, like here's the thing: outside of Overwatch, and then maybe Diablo. I don't play any Activision Blizzard games. Mm-hmm. So like this deal goes through and suddenly every Activision Blizzard game got removed from my console. Overwatch already has crossplay; I can play Overwatch on PC, have no problem with it. I- I'm fine moving the PC. Mm-hmm. How do you feel if the deal goes through and they pull the, we're going to exclusivity deal on all this content as a guy who's continually says the Call of Duty is the best FPS on the market?
0: I'll be in shambles. I'll 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 be in complete shambles if this deal goes through and and Microsoft is like all right well all you PlayStation players so long unless you buy an Xbox Series X yeah I'll be in shambles um it would suck if they did that I think we're Activision right now I would probably be more happy for them if um, Bobby Kotek is no longer a part of that company and. Like the higher ups, all that stuff gets replaced, and the working environment is just overall just better for those people.
1: I think you're going to get half of that. I think Bobby's going to leave, yeah, yeah. but most of the people who hired under him, who were awful during the entire year, is play. <laughs> probably going to stay stick stick there.
0: Yeah, yeah. But like, if it basically like if this deal happens to improve the working conditions for the devs there, great. I'll figure out my own BS. I if I have to get an Xbox. This that's, that, that's that's
1: that's the greater question. Would you yes. make the
0: switch? So, if I can find some kind of pass through system, some kind of controller that has the uh, analog sticks like the PlayStation, that would be my only way that I would get an Xbox to play Call of Duty. Because I I started life with the the Sega Genesis. Yeah, you're and you're, the in a fa- you're in a safe
1: place. We all know yeah. where the analog stick should be on the controller.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And to the weird people On the internet who say offset sticks Are the best way to play it Who holds a controller that when they put the sticks inward Their thumbs touch What kind of weirdo <laughs> does that
0: <laughs> Look viewers Look in my eyes You see where they are They're symmetrical They're not offset like freaking Xbox Like who does that why why would you do that That's, That makes no sense So yeah if they, if they do that if they pull it off It would just suck I don't, I don't know what I would do in that reality I might just pick up golfing or something. I don't know.
1: Or you could spend more time with your uh, game of service if you play on PlayStation.
0: Oh, of of course. Of course. You know, I I might have to go back to Destiny. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, that has been it for Press X to Start's Gamers Digest. We hope you enjoyed this podcast slash episode slash conversation as much as we enjoyed having those three things. Please don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting apps. Please. Like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. I'm waiting for you to do it. Do it right now. Cool, thanks. With that being said, you take care. Good morning, good evening, good night, and play some games. See ya!